Welcome to School of PE Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Miller, and I'm so glad that you could join me this week. We are going to discuss topics about FE, PE, and SE, and we're also going to answer questions that will help students prepare for their exams. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to School of PE's weekly podcast. This is episode number four. Um, again, I'm your host, Chris Miller, and today i got a special guest with us here, Mr. Sean Stunts. He's a major in the U.S. Air Force, um, so let's please welcome him and let's spend some time getting to know him and getting to know what he does. So, Sean, it's a pleasure to meet you. This is the first time I've actually had the pleasure to meet you. Uh, first, I want to thank you for your service um, and also thank you for uh, coming aboard today. So maybe if you can kind of kick off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks, Chris. Hi, everybody. Uh, so as you said, my name is Major Sean Stunts. I'm an Air Force civil engineer. Originally, I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, and I've been stationed in uh, Florida. Ohio, Little Rock, Arkansas, deployed to Qatar, and now I'm based out of Nevada. And um, here with my, uh, my wife and kids in Nevada. And uh, my current job is actually an executive officer to a commander, but I've uh, had plenty of experience in the CE and various CE civil engineering jobs. And um, my, my, most recent was when, my most recent one was an operations flight commander. And, um, and, and what I would like to talk about today is, is really talk to you about what our mission is in the Air Force. And uh, so from the, uh, from, the, from the bottom up, what, what our job is, is to build, operate, and maintain air bases all around the world. Uh, stateside, we provide reliable facilities and infrastructure that are designed to enable various Air Force missions and different kind of capabilities. And we do the same thing downrange. When a commander needs something built, we build it. Um, so I do have several uh, different kinds of experiences, both in the uh, programming world, which is where we prepare uh, advocacy and funding documents, as well as uh, contract management. If you've, anyone has worked with uh, an Air Force installation, they probably heard of a simplified acquisition of base engineering resources contract. It's an IDIQ contract. I, led an o I was the OIC of the section that uh, did that at Little Rock. And um, in the operations flight, we, pr we provide the repair and maintenance capabilities uh, for the base. So anything that needs to be repaired or maintained, and as well as uh, small construction projects, we're capable of doing those too. So uh, yeah, a, a wide range of jobs for a, mm -hmm. uh, a young officer, for sure. No, absolutely. It sounds exciting. I'm, I'm excited to you know, learn a bit a little more about it. But you, know, you said you kind of bounced around from New Orleans to Florida to, 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 to Nevada. Of those places, where are you considering home? Are you a Saints fan or a, a Jacksonville fan? Yeah, I, I, I uh, bleed black and gold, man. So I am definitely a New Orleans Saints fan. Um, that, is, uh, that is for sure my home. I won't let that go. I'm not a military brat. My family, I'm a first-generation military. So that's, uh, that's definitely my home. Oh, yeah, you know, the only reason why I root for the Saints is because they usually have quite a few Ohio State Buckeyes on their team. So they're like the uh, right. professional yeah. Right, so exactly, um, <clears throat> hated to see Drew Brees leave. Uh, but, yep, you know, absolutely. Time came for him, so I uh, wish him last year they could have uh, went a little bit further, but it's all right. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, again, you know, thanks for coming out and spending some time. But let me just kind of, you know, you're actually the first military engineer that I've had the uh, pleasure to interview. Uh, last few times on the podcast, I've had some of our instructors on here, and, and you know, they, they work in the civilian world. So, what are some of the differences that you know you can talk about between a civilian engineer and you know being an engineer for the Air Force? 
So I, I really don't have a whole lot of friends or a whole lot of uh, extensive network in the industry. But what, what I've gathered is that when you enter into the, to the workforce as a civil engineer in the industry, you kind of start out as a, as a project engineer. And the idea is to work up to become a project manager and then uh, kind of take on different roles and responsibilities or increasing levels of responsibility throughout your career. And that mentality is, is very similar to an Air Force officer. Uh, I'd say that the one major difference that is, is, is probably notable on the surface is that we're not necessarily thrown into a design section or a design cell uh, immediately. Pretty early on in our career, we're actually thrown into uh, uh, the typical job would be, it's referred to as a programming officer. Uh, but the, uh, the, the term programming can you know, lose its meaning as soon as you walk out of a CE squadron. And the idea here is that we're helping the squadron and the base advocate for funds to Congress. And so that requires us to kind of dig into the requirement, uh, understand its impact uh, to the mission and to, uh, and to the base at large, and to be able to help our leaders communicate that in a way that is going to make it attractive for Congress to go ahead and fund. And then from there, it's all about, again, increasing scopes and levels of responsibility. Um, notably, the difference being, uh, again, it's the, it's the technical depth. And it's not like we're deprived of it completely, but I would say the emphasis is on honing your leadership skills and managing uh, teams that increase in size uh, throughout your career. They start small, and then you know, as you progress, you end up being a squadron commander or over some uh, larger staff uh, at, at, at a later date in your career. Sounds great. So I've got a question for you. So, you know, when you decided to either go in the Air Force, did you um, have your plan ahead of you? Like, you, did you already know you wanted to go into engineering or did you discover that after you're already in the Air Force yeah. came first? So I have been, I, I would consider my career the product of um, really of mentors that have, that have kind of helped guide me along the way. I'll be completely honest. I, when I first applied to the Air Force Academy, I had no idea if it would even work out, let alone get into it and then uh, be here today. What I really wanted to do, at least when I signed those papers uh, on my acceptance letter, was uh, to fly planes. And mm -hmm. within about the first year, I kind of realized that there was just a whole different world to the Air Force. I had no idea what it was about. Um, and so I had, to, uh, I had to branch out quite a bit. And there's several ways at the Air Force Academy where they kind of expose you to different career fields. But uh, it was when I saw the guys who were wearing the red horse red caps, you know, and I got to hear their story and what they uh, what they do and what they support that I just knew it immediately clicked with me. Um, and uh, so coming from New Orleans, you know, and after seeing the uh, the impact of Hurricane Katrina and only briefly and, you know, not in, with any, you know, kind of engineering technical depths did I, you know, do my own little homework and figure out kind of what went wrong infrastructure wise, did I realize that engineers and scientists and, and people in the, uh, the STEM community really have the ability to impact people's lives. And so I found a really interesting kind of uh, nexus for those two things that I was, that I was really uh, you know, uh, driving towards, the science and math career field, plus the opportunity to, uh, to, to build and, and do cool engineering projects. And for me, the natural fit for that was the Air Force Civil Engineering community. That sounds great. You know, one of the great things about engineering is, you know, every day can be different. There's so many different paths you can go. You could be a transportation engineer working on, you know, roads, uh, traffic signals. Then you have the, you know, construction building or structure. So it's, you know, definitely a lot of different paths that you can take. And then I'm, a, I'm imagining that, you know, every day in the Air Force might be a little bit different than what, you know, we would have in the civilian world. But maybe talk about what your average day or typical day is like. Sure. Um, 
you know, it changes from base to base. Uh, different commanders have their kind of different tempos and everything, but I'd say a pretty standard expectation is, uh, at least for me, is to be up early in the gym, uh, at least four days a week. That's a, that's a 4 a.m. showtime. Uh, typically, we'll do PT two, maybe three times a week. That'll start at six o'clock. And uh, my personal philosophy is that you need more than calisthenics and, and a running program to, to stay in, you know, at least a healthy shape. So, right. um, you know, I, uh, I, I supplement that. But uh, six o'clock showtime for that, we probably go to like seven or seven thirty, eight o'clock oh, wow. and we start rolling back in the office. And uh, a typical day probably involves at least one or two status updates, whether I'm getting them from my teams or I'm providing mm -hmm. them up the chain. Um, and I would say that what I try to do, my personal philosophy is to crush my email in the morning and, mm -hmm. uh, enjoy lunch, uh, with, uh, with my peers or, or my team and then get away from the desk in the afternoon. Um, usually there's nothing so hot or pressing that's coming down, uh, an email at one or two in the afternoon that I need to jump through hoops to get to it. Uh, so, and, and that's just one of the, you know, leadership tidbits that I picked up on that seems to be pretty effective. It helps you get out and see the job sites and everything like that and uh, really connect with your, uh, with your troops. But after that, uh, I, we've closed out pretty regularly between four and five. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it's family time, you know, family time after that, we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we get the kids down and, and then uh, it's really, you know, it's at, at night, the uh, night's the only time really, I really get an opportunity to, uh, to, to, to focus on any kind of professional development or educational stuff that I'm working on. And Fortunately, the Air Force offers us a lot of opportunity to do that, mm -hmm. um, you know, especially after hours. So, yep, that's pretty much it. No, it sounds like, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff in one day for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, like, I get up at four myself and hit the gym, but I don't have six o'clock PT after as well. <laughs> so, uh, I can imagine how long of a day that is. But, yeah. you know, it's always good to find some time for family. It looks like I can see behind Absolutely. you. you got a couple of kids there. That's uh, right. How old are they? So I've got a five-year-old girl. Her name is Riley, and a uh, soon-to-be three-year-old boy, Cole, and the wife's name is Corey. Oh, so she's probably the project manager of the house, I'd assume. Absolutely, and I am the worker bee for sure. <laughs> <laughs> got your handfuls with some young ones, so uh, that's right. So, what's it like living in Nevada and being in the Air Force? So, being uh, in, in Nevada, you know, Nevada is an interesting beast. The weather is uh, is pretty standard. Um, mm -hmm. It's it's like clear skies throughout the throughout the year, but you know, there's like a, a torrential downpour month and in, in between any time. And it can happen between, you know, August and, and November, anytime in there. And you're, you're guaranteed to have like a one month torrential downpour where you're just, you're just fighting the rain. But anyway, uh, so, uh, but other than that, no, this is a, this has been a great assignment for a family. It's, it's actually pretty flexible. I mean, yes, you have the downtown Las Vegas area, which we don't, you know, frequent very often, sure. but there's tons of stuff to do as a family out here. And to, and to be engaged in a really eager spouses community for uh, other, you know, military affiliated mm. individuals that, uh, that get together and, uh, and, and, and support each other when we need to. That sounds great. You know, I've been out to Nevada usually just for Vegas, but like you said, some great outlying communities there, great hiking out there. So, you know, I imagine there's some great opportunity for a family to do some outdoor stuff, which is, which is great. Yeah. Uh, weather's a little, little strange Nevada can be because most people just assume it's hot all the time, but right. I've been there when it's snowing in Vegas and I'm like, what the heck is this coming out of the sky? Yeah, it's unreal. It's unreal. But, uh, you know, you, you never really get used to the heat. You can be outside for an hour and then you're done and that's it. So, oh yeah, I mean, it could be midnight and still 90 some degrees. What cracks me up is, you know, I'm from Southern California, so I'm used to a little bit of heat. You know, but I moved out to Ohio and you get this humidity and it's like, holy cow, it's 98 degrees, 98 uh, percent humidity. And people are like, well, you know, you're lucky it was dry heat back home. I'm like, 
100 degrees is 100 degrees. You know, that's I, right. I don't care. Better that's hot. Right. Um, so yeah, that's it, right. it's funny, like we're living on the West Coast. People don't really talk about, oh, you know, if it was humid, it was this. But out here in Ohio, they're like, oh, man, you don't have to deal with the humidity. But I'm like, I'd rather have some of this than that 100 degree dry heat. No, I'm with um, you. Coming from New Orleans in the same way. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. A lot of humidity out there. Yeah. And then even Florida, you, you've had a, quite a bit of it. So this might be that's your right. uh, driest climate. Yeah, it's my driest climate. I don't know. I, I'm still torn, honestly. You know, the, the humidity heat or whatever. But it's it, me. I'm with you. It's just heat. <laughs> I agree. So when you're uh, sta done stationed in uh, Nevada, where's your next move or do you not know yet? So I do know I'm actually headed to Osan Air Base in Korea. So uh, I'll be on the 7th Air Force uh, CE staff out there and uh, looking forward to working with those guys. So I'll be getting out of the squadron. So it's just a little bit uh, different uh, experience, but I won't be working necessarily with, with teams of guys that are building you know, project packages and submitting things for, uh, you know, approval or to hire headquarters or anything. I'll be one of those, uh, the staff weenies, if you will, that are helping get <laughs> all those things kind of organized for those guys at different bases. That's really cool. You know, as I mentioned earlier, you know, engineering has its own path, very, you know, a lot of different paths you can take, but then you combine that with the, you know, options or opportunities that the military gives you working overseas. I mean, that's that's a lot of different opportunity that we get, you know, for a civilian engineer. So that's pretty cool. How long is your um, um, station going to be over in uh, Korea? Uh, it should be two years. I should be bringing my family out. I expect to bring them out. And uh, so it'll be a good two-year assignment. Hopefully we stay overseas afterwards. You know, there's a ton of, of jobs that we can do right. um, after that. I hope to, I mean, I'd love to see Europe. Uh, there's There's plenty of different staff opportunities out there. And uh, even in uh, Japan, um, that, uh, you know, just, just great opportunities to bring the family and see the world. So that's, that's the dream, man. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you know, when I, we were growing up, my dad was uh, stationed in Yokota Air Base over in Tokyo. So, I mean, it's a great way for a kid to grow up, you know, experiencing Absolutely. the cultures of a foreign country. It's, it's pretty cool. And then, you know, living on the base, so at least you're still surrounded by, you know, people that are from the state. So you, at least you have that close bond and then yet, you, you know, you travel off the base and, you know, you're amongst the, the natives that are living there. So it's a pretty cool experience. And, you know, it's, it's right. great for kids growing up. It's something, you know, I'll never forget for sure. Um, I got a question for you, though. So, you know, I'm sure that you're a great planner. You know, you probably put your ducks in a row. But if I could ask you, what's that one curveball about engineering that kind of threw you for a loop or kind of was a surprise for you? What would that be? You know, um, when I first got into the Air Force and – you, you think you have it all figured out because you just spent four years with your head in the books and you're just super eager to get out there and, and lead a team. And I think the, the most surprising thing for me about uh, the engineering community in general was that leading an engineering team is a little bit more challenging than, than you'd think. Um, it doesn't, I mean, I, I, I would say that the biggest for, uh, form of growth that I've exhibited and just having an opportunity to reflect on, on the way I was when I came into the Air Force and where I'm at now is that uh, oftentimes I can just provide the idea, provide the, the end goal to a team of really motivated individuals and, and really I can watch them work. And so that changes the role of, of a leader and in my mind as one of being the person who's going to itemize the list set objectives, make goals for the team and uh, do status check, you know, check in on statuses and provide guidance all the time to now I am, I am just really providing inputs as they need me. I'm, 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 I'm providing them the resources that they need to get the job done. And I'm kind of more of a, a hands-off servant leader type. So that was a, a big 
a big shift for me, a big change in, in my uh, maturity and my development and how I thought of engineering uh, leadership. But I'd say that more often than not, the thing that surprised me most was just how much ownership those team members take about every single piece of that thing that's theirs. And I, I think that the most important role that a, an engineering leader plays in that sense is just in, in making sure that people are communicating on the team effectively and, and assisting them how assisting your team however they need. That's fantastic. So, you know, I had the pleasure almost every day talking to, you know, engineers that are either preparing for the FE exam or preparing for the PE exam. And, and you know, yeah. listen to their stories is great kind of seeing, you know, listen to how they plan on preparing for the exam or, you know, what their, I guess, everyday duties entail to kind of how they can find time to study and prepare for the PE. Being in the military, how was it to find time to study and prepare for the exam? You know, was it like, hey, they give you a best job for eight months for you to prepare? Or, oh, uh, man. So... That's a, I, I think that's a great question because um, the, the Air Force uh, has very demanding, I will say that the work schedule, the work-life balance opportunities or uh, really the work-life balance for an officer is, uh, is, is pretty fast-paced. Um, mm -hmm. you're, you're expected to perform at work and there's a lot of things that are put on your plate. And it would be very, I would say, detrimental to the teams that you're tasked with leading if you need to carve out two or three hours of study time to, uh, you know, a day to, to get ready for the PE or the FE, what have you. For my personal study style uh, or learning style, they, the only way that I was going to learn and be ready for the PE um, kind of lined up with how the School of PE offered their material. I need a lot of material, I need a lot of problems, and I need a lot of feedback. And so even carving out one hour a day wasn't going to cut it for me. I really, really needed to dive into mm -hmm. the material and study. And the only opportunity that I had for that man was, <laughs> was from between the hours of 9 p.m. and midnight. Um, oh, wow. And that's be and well, so in my personal circumstance, or, or sorry, that guy <laughs> was uh, brand new to the world. Right. And uh, I had... Uh, I had decided when he was about six months old that I'm like, okay, well, it's now or never. I've got to do this. And so, yeah, for about three hours a day, six days a week after work, uh, that's, what I, that's what it took for me to, uh, to commit to, to the program of study that I needed to, to pass the, T, the PE exam. So um, it's not that the Air Force wouldn't give me the time, but even if they gave me an hour or two during the day, mm -hmm. it's, it's not like I would have really benefited from it because I, I really needed to focus time at night. And there's no way you're going to fight off the – the flood of phone calls and emails and, 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 and problems from your team that you got to help solve if you're really going to be dedicated in, in, uh, and, and, and to your studies at least. So, so yeah, <laughs> that was a, that was an experience. I can imagine at least you only had to go through, you know, once, once you pass, you're done That's, Move on to the next, that mentality got me through this. I just said, look, this is, I just need to get, just put everything I've got into this into this one test, this one time and pass. And I screamed at the top of my lungs when I checked my NCES <laughs> account and saw that I right. passed. It. So I was, I, I, I will never forget that feeling. No, it's, that's a great story. You know, and, and it's also great for people that are, you know, listening that, you know, they can, they don't have time to study, you know, let's yeah. say I have an eight to five job that that's great. But, you know, not only did you have an eight to five job, if it was even eight to five, you know, you're in the military, you have a family. So you were still able to carve out the time that was needed to prepare. So that, you know, that gives hope to everybody that's like, you know, I don't got the time to do it. Yeah, you've, you've honestly got to dig deep. And uh, one of the things that I've learned is that there's, there's nothing that's given to you and uh, you, no one succeeds in a, you know, alone. So I needed help to get through things. There were, there were some, you know, powered systems questions that I had. There were some structures questions that I had that I reached out to the instructors and got help and got feedback on. 
and they were very receptive, but I had my own community that, that kind of helped me along too. So uh, you've got to do what you have to do to pass. Um, and uh, yeah, I just dig deep for that, uh, that one, uh, that one, that one moment. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's again, that's great. And it, it encourages a lot of people that they can do the same thing under the same circumstances. Um, let, let's, um, let's pretend that you're, you're, you're invited to a high school today to talk to the graduating seniors. Yeah. And uh, a young kid walks up to you and says, Major, I got a question for you. I'm thinking of becoming an engineer, but I don't know if I want to go into the military and do it, or I'm just going to, you know, go straight into college. You know, yeah. what would you do? What kind of advice would you give someone that's thinking of you know, not only joining the military, but they want to go the engineering route? You know, the, the, the decision to join the military is a very personal one. And I think that you first need to uh, kind of align yourselves with the value uh, values that uh, are espoused in the military. The Air Force, uh, it's, it's integrity, service, and excellence. Um, and obviously, you can't be a good engineer if you don't uh, have a good foundation foundation there. And so, uh, but you know, if you're if you're even interested in in joining the military, first thing uh, that I can personally attest to is that if you find the right mentor. Um, and these can be for a young person, the, the junior ROTC commanders, the debt commanders that they have at their high school or, uh, you know, friends and relatives that they have or in the military or uh, even me. If they're watching this, I'll, I'll provide <laughs> my email or contact info to figure out what a day in life is like. But um, really, it comes down to a commitment, a commitment to serve uh, and, uh, and, and uphold the values that are espoused in the Constitution of the United States. Not to get all high hatted here, but. I, I really do, you know, I, I believe in that document and that and, and those ideas and, and, and those really provided the foundation for, for why I wake up and put on a uniform every single day. Um, when it comes to being an engineer, I would say if you love solving problems, if you love being thrown in the mix of things, and if you love being challenged every single day, um, I, I would say that an engineering career field is probably not something that you should shy away from. I think you should entertain the idea. One of the things that I've had to adapt to, again, hearkening back to when I was a 22-year-old when I knew everything, um, there were several times where I had to kind of separate myself from a situation and just do a, a humility check and just be like, you know what? This guy who is younger than me, who has less education than I do, uh, he knows the right answer and, and, I can, and I can trust him. And it took me several times feedback that I'm giving myself and feedback, you know, that I'm, that I'm getting from everyone else, understanding that feedback and utilizing it and, and just saying, look, I can, I can step away from this and let my people kind of, kind of run with this idea. So I will say that if you love solving problems, engineering's probably up your alley, but if you, uh, you need to come into that with the expectation that you're going to be humbled on, on an almost daily basis, especially as a young, young engineer, and that's okay. Um, if there's anything that I hope uh, a young or aspiring engineer takes away from, from this podcast, it's that it's okay to, uh, to get things wrong in the context where you have someone to provide you feedback and learn from your mistakes. Um, if you are, I, uh, I just recently spoke with a, a retired chief master sergeant over lunch, and he said something that has now, you know, obviously it's, it's these discussions that completely change your outlook on life, but he said something that I'll never forget. He said, um, show me a leader that isn't failing and i'll show you a leader that isn't trying right and uh and i and it struck a chord with me i was like you know that that's 100 percent right and so if i if i could communicate that to a young person it's it's that don't be afraid to challenge yourself and and to take risks 
failure is a part of life and failure is one of those things that you kind of have to embrace if you really want to be good at something so when you submit that you know homework assignment or that paper in college and you get a 60 or a 70 on it it's not the the teacher saying that you're a failure it's the teacher saying that hey look you've got room to grow and if you just shift your perspective and how you uh kind of take that feedback and you become more coachable i think that uh I think that you stand to benefit in the long run. That's a lot of words to say to a, a very young person who probably doesn't have the attention span to listen to it. But uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think that if someone wants to solve problems and they're coachable, I'd say that the engineering career field is uh, right up their alley. That's some wise, wise words to live by for sure. So I appreciate you sharing that. So sure. on the flip side, so I mean, you know, yeah, you're right. Failure is a part of life. It's about, you know, getting back up off the ground and moving forward. So what would you tell someone that just, took the PE and they didn't pass the PE and yeah. they're like, they're hanging their head down and they come to you looking for, you know, maybe yeah. a little motivation to help get them off the ground. What are you going to, what are you going to tell them? So, uh, I, I go to the gym and, um, and I, I lift to fail, right? I, I, I train myself to, to fail. And in doing that, you build up a mental capacity to deal with that. Um, and that's not just saying that the gym is the only answer and the only um, right. comparison. Elon Musk just tweeted out, well, our uh, SN15 just landed, and that's pretty cool because we have no idea how to get this spacecraft off of the launch pad. <laughs> so <laughs> Elon Musk has built an industry that's based on failing and getting feedback and building better, right? So I would say to the person that failed the PE, it sucks. There's no right. way around it. Um, you spent countless hours pre preparing for this. You had to wait for this decision to come down. And now you're just kind of figuring out how to put together a strategy to, to, help, you, to help you do it. And uh, again, the, the only piece of advice that I would offer um, to anyone is, is that you've got, to, you've, got to keep, you've got to keep fighting for this thing. If, if it's something that you want better, if there's nothing that's going to slow you down, the only thing that's stopping you is 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 frankly you and the amount of effort that you want to put into it and uh i don't you know i i would love to think that i had the 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 moral fortitude to have these ideas and and that all of these are 100 original and i promise you that they're not they're coming from <laughs> someone who has who has failed who has struggled right. even coming out of the academy look i i graduated in the top 10 percent of the bottom half of my class and um and and that's okay and I say that not afraid of failure because I've achieved two master's degrees after the fact and I've, and I've worked really hard to earn my PE. Um, and, I, and I have an opportunity to interact and, and learn from a lot of people who are very driven individuals and who have succeeded, a lot of whom are my supervisors and, uh, and, uh, and fellow commanders. And the bottom line is that it's about individual effort. The PE is not gonna be given to you. You gotta work for it. You gotta study for it. And I, I remember, I remember feeling physically ill after a night of studying, probably about two weeks before my test. And I had to tell myself, stop studying, <laughs> just, <laughs> just, just let it go. Stop right. studying. I don't know if it was the Jersey Mike sub that I had beforehand, or if it was just because I'd been studying um, for, I mean, I mean, it ended up, I, I, I forget what the, the number of hours, but it was no kidding in the hundreds of hours that I poured into this thing. And, uh, and, it, and it does, it takes a toll. It's mentally draining, it's, uh, it's physically exhausting, and you've got to push yourself through it to, to achieve it. So 
don't stop is the only advice I can give to anybody and no one's going to give it to you. Yeah, absolutely right. No, great words to live by, great advice. You know, um, you're right. The only thing stopping you is, is yourself. Um, you know, because you're right. Everyone's going to fail. It's how you react after absolutely. failing what defines you. Um, you know, you, earlier you mentioned that you attended the Air Force Academy um, and you wanted to fly planes, fighter planes more specifically. Yeah. And then you said, <laughs> and then uh, you said, oh, you know, after that, you decided that you wanted to, you know, we could go the engineering route. So what, I mean, what made, I mean, did you have some mentors at, at the academy <laughs> that, you know, maybe flying is not for you? Yeah. So um, I actually, there's a, a glider program that you can take after your freshman year. And I, and I flew, I flew gliders. I actually did pretty well and I loved it. It was, it was peaceful. It was serene. It was also hectic because as you're making calls to land, like you've got to get it right. And I loved every bit of it. I, I mean, I was, I, I knew in that moment that I was going to fly planes for the rest of my life and that was it. And then I met guys who were in red horse and for anyone who isn't familiar with the air force, uh, rapid engineer deployable heavy operational repair squadron engineer which is the Holy acronym cow. that that red horse stands for wow it's a, it's a forced acronym it doesn't mean anything it's, <laughs> well, there, there's a lot of history associated with it but for engineering practical purposes just think heavy construction vertical i'm sorry uh, horizontal construction is their focus um and when i saw these guys uh and i heard their stories about deploying um and uh during uh, during de desert storm, I, I was just like, man, that sounds awesome. How do I get a dose of that? Well, sure enough, at the academy, I had an opportunity to do a uh, an, a field engineering research lab that uh, basically got us exposed to all the different assets and all the different mm -hmm. functions in the civil engineering squadron to include heavy construction. And and I thought I loved planes, but I like building stuff way better. And and uh, the satisfaction that comes along with being in a leadership position that. Mm -hmm. uh, that helps enable the enterprise that is the Air Force and to, for us to be able to do all the amazing things that we do. I, I, I just truly fell in love with it and I knew that it was what I wanted to do. That's incredible. That's a great story. I'm hoping though, before you decide to give up the wings and, and go you know, more on the ground level, were you at least able to get into a cockpit of an F-15? Um, or those, those might not even be around anymore. I'm not sure. I'm trying to date myself. Yeah, no, no, no. F-15s, <laughs> man. Those things are a beast. They're still flying. So I, I have flown in the back of an F-16, but it was after my decision to be a civil engineer. Uh, unfortunately, no, before I made that decision, I didn't have the opportunity to, to get an incentive ride is what they refer to it as or, or, uh, or anything like that. But, um, you know, I'll say I had mentors that, that exposed a different world to me and I didn't really have anyone pushing me one way or the other. They just said, here's, here's this option, here's this option. Here are the things that you know are downstream of choosing either of those, and it's really again, it's up to you. And and uh, I I could have easily just written down on a piece of paper that I wanted to be a pilot, and I would have likely gotten a pilot slot. My eyes are are, are twenty twenty, and um, mm -hmm. I, I could have I could have done it. So, uh, but uh, I I don't you know. And, and looking back, I don't think there was ever a single moment where I said. Uh, for sure, I know that this is a 100% right decision. I mean, yeah, I was in love with the civil engineering once I once I came across it. But you know, to to think that I'd be so lucky to have this completely perfect, clear picture about what I want to do mm -hmm. is uh, is is kind of not the truth, right? So you do have to take a chance, right? There is a chance that you're going to be dissatisfied at some point, and that's not to say that the entire civil engineering experience has been unicorns and rainbows. I mean, there's plenty of stuff that I wish sure. was different and. Uh, and and plenty of things that uh, that can be improved upon in, in any organization or uh, or community, but 
you know, this, uh, this is so far has been worth every, every bit of the ride. So. so, no, that's great. So let's say you're walking out on a sunny Nevada day. You look up in the sky and above you flies over a squadron of fighter planes. Yeah. Any regrets that you're not <laughs> up there flying or any regrets at all? You know, there is, there is a piece of me that always wonders what, what that, what that's like. And after having had the opportunity to sit in the back of an F-16 and, and really see what they did, uh, I will say that it is a physical workout. It is, it is, uh, it is very demanding on the body. And when I was done with the ride, I, I had my helmet on and my face mask on and the maintainer as we're pulling, pulling in the park, the, the F-16 is busting out laughing. I don't know why, but he can see the physical exhaustion from my face uh, oh, wow. just, with, just by being able to view here. <laughs> so, you know, I, I look it up, I look up at, at it and I see those Thunderbirds flying. Sometimes I'll do a show out here in Vegas, but I, I mean, maybe there's a little bit, but I, I still think back to the fact that at the end of the day, I helped enable that, right? Those guys wouldn't be able to take off if we didn't prepare the runway or maintain the runway Absolutely or maintain correct. the back shops that uh, helped keep the plane safe, you know? So we take a lot of pride in, in seeing those aircraft launch and, uh, and land. And uh, so while there may be a little bit of jealousy that those guys probably have a little bit more fun, and they probably check email a little less frequently than I do. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's probably where most of my jealousy lies, but uh, you know, for the most part, no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't regret the decision at all to be a civil engineer. Um, but to, to, you know, to say that the, the feeling is completely gone, that also, that would also be untrue, I guess. <laughs> Maybe they'll let you get in the backseat of another one, one of these days so you can experience that. That's it. So if I were to job shadow you for a day, what is my day going to be like? Yeah. I say, meet your stunts. I want to follow you for the day. Show me what you got. Cool. What are we doing? So, um, our operations flight is a is a very unique uh, beast. You know, it's made up of a lot of contractors, made up of some civilians and uh, and military personnel as well. And so, if you follow me for a day, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to get a status update on our ongoing construction projects. These are the big high dollar things that uh, we want to do in house, but we're not shopping out to be contracted out, right? So this is just in in house organic labor that we're using to do this. And so I've got my foremen that are providing me those inputs and we're, we're just tracking the status updates. And then um, from there, we're rolling into the GIs and we're talking to those that are our uh, military personnel. If I use mm -hmm. an acronym that we don't understand, please, please stop me. I you know, <laughs> switch that I can't switch off. Uh, but we, uh, we talk with our military guys and what we're focused on, laser focused on for those guys is asset management, which has been mm -hmm. a come up. Almost a buzzword, but it's a ser seriously important thing that we've that the Air Force is actually tied into their um, their financing of uh, FSRM funds for installations, and so getting uh, ground truth data, actionable data on how we repair and maintain our installations according to the priorities that are important and set for that installation are uh, are. I mean that 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 idea is uh, is is how we're trying to shape the operational uh, mm -hmm. uh, operational uh, I'm sorry the operations flight, and so we we, we talked to those guys we would see what was going on and then from there on that from then on out it's it's mostly flight vi uh, sorry site visits and and stopping by the different uh, shops in the flight and uh, just checking in making FaceTime and uh, and seeing how those guys are doing there's pretty regular updates to our squadron commander mm -hmm. and uh, I think what but one thing that you would probably take away is that my job as as a flight commander is is to is to lead change, and mm. um, that's really any any officer's responsibility when they're in charge of an organization uh, is 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 to lead meaningful change 
and to provide the resources to their people so that they can do their mission, right? And so you kind of, when you're in that seat, you have to gauge what is the degree of change that I want to, I want to go after. Uh, what's the most meaningful thing that's uh, that's relevant to uh, to our to our base and to our commander's priorities, and and how do we get after that? And so we would we would spend a, a good long time kind of focusing on that. And I would say that the taking on asset management and the and the complexities that are really associated with doing that right. Has, uh, has driven a lot of, I'll say, opportunity to lead that change. And uh, along with that, the struggles that uh, you, can, you can frankly imagine from you know, digging up whatever pipelines from you know, decades ago that are just frankly undocumented. So, <laughs> you know, so. Sounds like it'd be a, a, fill, a full day for sure. It's, it's a full day. Come 5 p.m., I'm probably ready to call it quits. Um, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I know I am mentally exhausted <laughs> and physically exhausted at the at the end of every day. That's the goal. Well, I can imagine. Well, you know, hey, Major Stunts, it's been a pleasure talking today. I'd love to have you back. I mean, I'm sure you have some so many great stories that you could share. Um, I'd love to hear about your time at the Air Force Academy and, uh, you know, maybe some of the technologies that are coming out, you know, ever-changing every day. So it'd be kind of interesting to see how those are implemented and used in the, in the military for engineering. Um, but yeah, I'd love to have you back again. Um, it's been a pleasure. And again, thank you so much for your service. Uh, truly appreciate what you do for us. And until um, the next time, we'll uh, see you then. Have a great day. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, Sean, we cut it off. Hey, I appreciate it, man. That was good. I had a great time. I tell you, I, I <laughs> Thanks, seriously could just talk to you all day about this, man. It's good awesome. stuff. I appreciate um, it. Yeah, I, uh, I was a little nervous to start, but, uh, man, you got the real knack for getting the – Getting me settled in. I appreciate it. I so. appreciate it. <laughs> Teamwork. No, in true, I mean, you are, uh, I mean, for I mean, you're young for a major. I just hit my 10 year point, man. I, uh, I actually started growing out my hair so people could see the gray. So they stopped saying that. So please, I don't started tell cutting mine to get rid of it. So, <laughs> holy cow, what are your master's degrees in? So I got one uh, in industrial engineering in, the, in my first oh, wow. two years. Um, so the, the, the other story is that I was in a different career field for my first two years. I was doing testing and they emphasized industrial engineering and I wasn't sure if I'd even be able to be a civil engineer. So I got that one. And then I got to a graduate of engineering management through AFIT, um, which I love and would, I, you know, that, that place is awesome. Uh, so those are, those are the two. That's cool. Thanks for spending some time with me today and we'll chat again soon. huh? Sounds good, Chris. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Same to you.